Thanks for that, Naomi. After that introduction, I'm feeling like we've got a small family, just four kids. There's no more coming, that's for sure, until the grandkids come, but that's a long time away. Um, could I trouble someone for a bottle of water? Would that be, if that's all right, that'd be wonderful. Thanks so much. <clears throat> well, good morning. Hi there, everyone watching from home. Um, I don't know about you guys, but does anyone feel like summer owes us a refund? <laughs> Honestly. I can count on two hands the number of sunny days, let alone warm days that we've had, and it's the end of summer. It's not even that I like a hot day. I don't like 40 degree days, but I feel like I was owed them because you know, it's an Australian summer. But anyway, it's my problem. I'll deal with it. I hope you guys are well. Um, so we're going to look this morning. Well, my sermon this morning is titled Walking with the Spirit. That's kind of a boring title. I've, I kind of figured I'd set the bar really low in the title, because everything can go uphill from there. So hopefully that's the case here. But I want to start with a verse that you're going to hear a lot over this term. And it's this one from Galatians 5. Thank you so much. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a pretty profound thought. Nice short little verse, easy to memorize, nice if-then clause, but... Think about the implications of this. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, you won't sin. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, if you would just stop sinning, then you can walk with the Spirit. I think some of us need to hear that. Because we've got an idea of Christianity that is, I need to work hard to stop myself being disappointing to God, and then maybe God will have me. That's crippling. It's not Christianity to begin with, but that's a crippling way to live. What Paul's talking about here is an antidote to sin. If you would walk in the Spirit, you will not sin. That's profound. So the question you might be asking then is, how do I walk in the Spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, We're going to do a bit of a Greek word study. Um, I hope that's okay. Well, actually, I'll do a Greek word study, and you'll endure it for 20 (laughs) minutes. Um, but, But hopefully it's helpful. I want to look at this Greek word. It's one of my favorites, if, if I have a favorite Greek word. It's this word, peripateo. And what I'm going to look at this morning is just a whole lot of verses that use this same word. But quick definition. So the word peripateo means to walk, to literally to walk around. And so it, it has a literal sense, in the sense of put one foot in front of the other and move in a particular direction. So just walking. But it also has a metaphorical use as well, and this is where we find it mostly used in the New Testament, in that it means just going through life, just doing life, how you conduct yourself as you go through this journey of life. How are you walking this life? That's what Paul's saying here, is that as we are just going through life with the Spirit, we will not sin. That's pretty cool. But what does it look like? What does it mean to walk with the Spirit? Well, there's three aspects. There's plenty more, but we do three because... I just do three for some reason. I don't know. We always just have this number, but anyway. 
The first aspect of this walk is walking like Jesus. So first John, it says this, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So the first aspect of this walk is walking like Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it's not doing the things that Jesus did. In the sense of we all need to go out and get a trade, specifically become carpenters, that we need to walk through Israel, teaching in synagogues, walking on water, though that would be cool. And then here's the good news, not having to die on a cross. He did that for us. So we don't do exactly the walk that Jesus did, but we walk in the manner in which Jesus walked through life. And that is trusting in God. Author of Hebrews says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he, had be he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest. So the way that Jesus walked was that he trusted God and he walked in obedience to the leading of the Spirit. That was the manner in which he went through his life and ministry. That's what it means to walk like Jesus. But what does that mean specifically? Well, Paul gives us a clue in Colossians. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So as you received Christ, the way that you received Christ in the first place, that's how you need to keep walking. So how did you receive Christ? Well, through faith. So the way that you received Christ was in faith, and so the way you walk in Christ is in that same faith. See, what we try to do is we say, well, I've become a Christian now, so now by my effort, I'll carry on the walk. No, that's not how it works. You couldn't save yourself in the first place. How do you think by your own strength you can stay here? That makes no sense. That's dumb. It's heretical. It's actually saying, God, thanks for getting me here, but now you're not good enough to keep me here, is what you're actually saying. That was the whole problem with the Galatians. Paul says, you were saved, but now somehow you think you can complete your salvation by your own works? Are you stupid? Are you really that dumb? No, it doesn't work that way. Paul says to the Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. So we go through our everyday life trusting that God has got things under control. And even when we don't understand where we are right now, we trust that God's got things under control. And that he being eternal and seeing the beginning from the end can see where our life is going and knows that even though we don't know where we are right now, he knows and he knows where it's going. Even though it doesn't make sense to us now, it makes perfect sense to him. And one day we're gonna look back and go, oh, you were right all along, God, funny that. Wasn't that amazing? 
Maybe I should have just trusted you right from the start. But I don't know if you've noticed about the Christian life. So I've been a Christian 20 years now. My entire adult life I've been a Christian. And there's one thing I know about God is that he does have everything in control and that he's got some pretty crazy stuff ahead of us in all of our lives. Stuff that we could never have possibly imagined. It's really quite remarkable. Short story about myself. Most of you would know uh, 20 years ago I used to be a spray painter and seems that I've come full circle on that lately. But So I started my, my working career as a spray painter. In fact, I was saved when I was still spray painting. Uh, where I was working was in a shop down in Enfield. And uh, I was about, was about 19 at the time. I was working in this little shop in, in Enfield. And um, you know, I was enjoying my spray painting and enjoying just sort of living the life that I was living. And then I found God. I was saved. And that kind of just threw a spanner in the works of my whole life. But it did change my whole direction. It completely changed everything about where I thought I was going because from the moment I got saved, I just had this absolute passionate desire to get into ministry. That's all I wanted to do. I just had to get into ministry. I'd lost interest in everything else I was doing in life. Um, I just lost interest in my job. I just, all I wanted to do was ministry. And all, every day I just think, God, why am I still here? I've been a Christian for like three weeks now. Why aren't I in ministry? What are you doing, God? Have you forgotten about me already? It's been so long. But the particular place I was working, the boss that, we, the boss that I had, um, well, I'm sure he was illegal, just in the way that he, uh, the way that he worked us. He, he got every single second out of us. You, you did not stop with this boss. You, there was a 15-minute morning tea break, not a second more. There was a 30-minute lunch break, not a second more. And for every other minute, you were working. And he made sure you were working because where his office was, was just right at the top of the shop and his window overlooked the whole shop. And so he could see what we were doing all day, every day. And the minute he saw any of us just slacking off a little bit, there was a PA system where he's, oi, get back to work. <laughs> now, the thing about Australians and particularly tradespeople is they're not very good at nicknames. So I came from the Blue Mountains, therefore my nickname was Mountain. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was better than the other apprentice. He crashed a car in his first year, and so his nickname was Crash. <laughs> what was most funny was when he'd say to a customer, oh, yeah, the apprentice will drive you home. Crash, come and... Anyway, that was fun. Anyway, so the most fearful words you could ever imagine working in the shop was, Oi, Mountain, get back to work. So that was my, my existence. Well, anyway, at one point, he... He was expanding the shop and he moved his office into the building next door. And so we're thinking, thank goodness, big brother is finally gone. He's, he's not looking over our shoulders anymore. So he moves into his new office. Anyone want to guess what was the first thing he put in the workshop? Cameras. Cameras. Yes. CCTV camera with the PA system so that you would still hear, Oi, mountain, get back to work. Now, what was good with the CCTV, CCTV camera was that um, the, you know, the, the lighting in the shop wasn't that great, and particularly in the spray booth. When the spray booth is switched on, it's really bright, and so you just can't see what's going on in there. So you would think you could go and hide in the spray booth and Big Brother wasn't watching. But then he'd be watching and realise, I haven't seen Mountain for about five minutes, and I know he's not painting a car. Oi, send, send someone in to get Mountain back to work. And so you'd get a knock on the door and boss has seen you. 
Where am I going with the story? Yeah, there is a point to this. What that taught in me was a really, really good work ethic in that you don't stop working. If you're at work, you're doing a job, you work. That's what you're there to do. Fast forward 15 years later and I'm doing a PhD. No, 10 years later, I'm doing a PhD. And three years, I've got to, I'm working from home by myself. And I was really behind the eight ball with my, with my studies. I was not a very bright person. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to learn. So I was doing easy 12, 14 hour days for three years. That was just, that's just how, what I had to do just to stay on top of the work I was doing. Now, there was nobody looking over my shoulder. In fact, no one even really knew what I was doing. I was accountable to nobody. All it was was I had these three years to do my PhD, and at the end, I was supposed to submit something. And the only person I was accountable to was myself. And this little voice in the back of my head that every time I slacked off, I would hear this, Oi, mountain, get back to work. Because what it taught in me was something that got me through that particular season. Now, 20 years ago, I sat there and think, what am I doing here? This makes no sense. I want to get into ministry. And yet God put something in me all the way back then that he was able to draw on all those years later. See, so often you don't get it. But walking with Jesus is not knowing everything that's going on, understanding perfectly what all this is leading towards. It's just trusting that God has got things under control. Faith is taking seriously the statement that says God works out all things for the good of those who love him. That's it. So the first aspect of this walk is walking like Jesus. The second aspect of this walk is walking in our calling. Ephesians says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's the thing. You are unique. You are uniquely created, every single one of you, for a unique purpose. I will go so far as to say that you cannot find meaning in this life until you find Christ. You cannot find full meaning for your life apart from Jesus Christ. You can't, it's not possible. You could try to fill it with everything, but nothing will fully fulfill you the way that Christ does. And not just because in Christ you find salvation and forgiveness of sins. That's, that's a great one, that's, that's the great starting point. But that's not the whole story. It's because only in Christ can you actually find why you were put here on the earth in the first place. Simple as that. You will not find your purpose outside of Christ. See, God made you in Christ to do something for a reason. You were put here on purpose. And that purpose is God's purpose because He created you. So you need to find yourself in Him to then find what that thing is. And the thing about it is, is that it doesn't look like anybody else's calling. So stop making it. Stop looking at everybody else and saying, well, I want what they've got or what they've got. It will never fit you because it's not you. It can only be found in Christ and it can only be found in what God has put in you uniquely to do. 
And until you find that, you will never find full satisfaction in this life. Simple as that. Fast forward five years after my salvation and I was in ministry. I was running a youth group. Um, I was working a day a week at the church and I was on my way to full-time ministry and I was, I, was, I, mean, I was living the dream. I was just getting to this place where finally this is, I'm finally finding what, or again, to step into what I thought exactly what it was that God had for me. Because again, I always thought it was full-time ministry. I'd hang around with Rick or I'd hang around with my pastor and We'd, I, just, I just want to do what you guys are doing. And every part of me, it wasn't even just a, oh, I wish that was my life. It was, no, I'm called to this. I felt myself being drawn into that ministry. It was 2005, and at the time at Riverland, so what's now our Penrith service, at the time, we didn't have the money to put me on full time. It was always the plan to put me on full time. We just didn't have the money. And so I like, well, there's no other job that's going to suit me. I know I'm going to go towards ministry, so I may as well go and do some learning or go and get some, you know, equipping for this ministry I'm called to. So I'll go to college. Actually, I kind of went to college on a dare. Um, so I was coming back from a youth camp, and I, I, I looked truly. God was pulling me towards college, but He needed something stupid to get me there because I'm not that smart. So I'm coming back from a youth camp with one of the guys in the car with me. And this guy turns to me and he says, you know, oh, I felt at the camp God was saying that I need to go to college, talking about himself. And my first thought was, there is no way you're going to be smarter than me when it comes to the Bible. I'm going too. And so we signed up the next week. True story. Anyway, God uses whatever he needs to get us to where he needs us to be. For me, it was my pride. But anyway. Got me into college, but then my first year of college, I realized actually it's not church ministry God's calling me to. Because when I looked at my lecturers and I realized actually that's what I want to do. And it wasn't just one of these, oh, I've got something cool, but I've, you know, looking at the Joneses on the other side. No, it was, a, again, God was pulling me. It wasn't just all my pride. Some of it was, I'm sure, but <laughs> other parts of it was God and humility. I realized actually it was this. And so it started me on a journey towards, well, here we are today, lecturing in a Bible college. Now, the crazy thing is, if you told me 20 years ago that one day I would have a PhD, my first response would be, yuck, I don't want to catch that. <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there? I had no idea. And yet, God had a plan. He knew where he wanted to take me. Paul says elsewhere in Ephesians, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The thing about walking in our calling is also recognizing that our calling isn't actually for us. That's the dirty little secret of ministry. It's not about you. It's not for you. In fact, really, it's got nothing to do with you. You're just the vessel. You're just the sucker that put your hand up and said, all right, God, I'll do it. <laughs> that was your first mistake. God's calling for you 
is to use you to build his church. The gifts that he's put in your life are not for you, they are to give to others. There's nothing that God puts in you that's just for you. Everything God gives you is to be an overflow to go to other people. That's ministry, that's, that's the whole thing. So to walk in a manner worthy of your calling is to live in a way where it's God, use me, but use me for the benefit of others. That's ministry in a nutshell. And then whatever that looks like for you is as unique as you are. So it's walking in our calling. Lastly, it's walking with others. Paul says to the Philippians, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And so our walk in Christ is also a walk of imitation. It's surrounding ourselves with people who are also walking the same journey. Conversely, he says to the Thessalonians, now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. So this walk is walking with Jesus or walking like Jesus. It's walking in our calling, but it's also walking with others who are walking the same journey. I'm talking about mentors. I'm talking about examples, leaders, people who are ahead of you on the journey, people who are heading in the direction that you're also going on. I can tell you everything you need to know about a person or about yourself, or sorry, I can tell you everything about your future by just looking at the people you spend time with. It's as simple as that. The people you are spending time with are going to determine where you go in your future because you're walking in their company. I mean, it's not rocket science. So the question is, who are you spending time with? Who are you walking with? Who are you doing life with? That's going to tell you everything you need to know about where your future is headed. So going back 20 years on my own journey. So I was 19 years old, and at the time I was pretty directionless with life. I had absolutely no idea, in fact, where my life was going. I was just pretty well useless, actually. Um, but I was spending a lot of time with my cousin. Now, I still see this cousin a lot. He's probably one of the few family members that I still spend a lot of time with. Um, you know, love him to death, great guy, we get on really, really well. But when I was 19, at that age in a man's life when you, you're looking for mentors, you're looking for older brothers and people to be inspired by, for me, that was him. He was 10 years older than me, and still is, funnily enough, Ten years older, uh, you know, he owned his own business, lovely wife, just had a baby son, owned his house, you know, he seemed to have his whole life together. 
And so I was working with him. We're doing landscaping and laying turf and this sort of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't exciting work, but I was hanging out with my cousin, you know, it was really cool. It was going to have a beer with him after work. All of that was really, was really great. But the thing about my cousin is that wasn't then and still very much isn't a Christian and lived as such. Very much did the secular life, the very fleshly life. Well, that was cool, because I was the same. I wasn't a Christian. I was just taking his example and just doing the things that he did. But about that point, I met Christ. And then three months later at a coffee shop in Glenmore Park, I met Rick. And I'll still remember that moment for the rest of my life, because it was a, the defining moment in my life. Because at that point, Rick Burrell became my new mentor. Same age. Same sort of stage of life, only having walked a very, very different path. And so I just sort of stepped into his wake and just started following his lead, taking him as an example. Now, there would be months where we didn't catch up. There'd even be a couple of years where we didn't catch up. But he was always just there. He was always just close in my life that I, I knew he was there. I knew what he was doing. And it was always just kind of that little bit of a guide. We'll take the parallel lives where I could have gone, following my cousin, where I ended up with Rick. Well, here I am preaching in his pulpit. <laughs> but when I look at where my cousin ended up, six years ago I had to bury his son. 19-year-old kid who'd followed his parents' lead in taking drugs and partying and just doing the things that his parents did. Well, he was kidnapped and murdered by drug dealers. I had to bury him. I held that kid as a baby. I was there when he was born. I was looking at this kid going, I want to be a parent like Peter. I want to be like this guy. I want to have a kid like this. Because that was my role model. I look at this guy now 20 years later, and I won't go into all the details, but he's only just now, at the age of 50, just starting to get his life together. Just starting to get his marriage back together. Just starting to get himself out of crippling debt. Still grieving the loss of his eldest son. That could have and most likely would have been my life. But thank God, I found somebody like Rick. So my question is really quite simple. Who are you walking with? Who are you doing life with? Take a good hard look at their life and ask yourself, is that what I really want for my life? Particularly if you are young. Because I'm telling you now, the person you're hanging out with, it might not seem anything bad at the moment, but give that trajectory 20 years and see where it ends up. So what does it mean to walk with the Spirit? Well, it's walking like Christ. It's walking in our calling. And importantly, it's walking with others. So if I look at this verse in Galatians again, taking into light what we've just seen, maybe another way to say it would be this. So I say, do life with the Spirit and you'll not gratify the cravings of the flesh. Can we get the band back up? 
Could you guys just sing that chorus you were singing just before the last song, if that's possible? You know the one, I don't know the name of it, but you know the one I'm talking about, the, the last song you're doing, yeah, the, yeah. Seems like a very appropriate song for what we're talking about. So just while they're getting set up, I'm gonna just pray. And just a few moments, we'll just sing that chorus again. Just praying that He will be with you, because He is with you. Going before you, behind you, beside you, within you, leading you, with you. That's it, that's Christianity. The Spirit is here, right here, and He will never leave. It's a question of, will you just get in line with where He's going? Where is He leading you? What's He saying to you? What's that prompting telling you to do? Just do it. I promise you it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, that's probably why you're not doing it. But He's seen the 10, 20, 30 years from now where that's going. All He's saying right now is don't worry about where that's going, just worry about the now. The, this is what I want you to do today. Because today leads to tomorrow, leads to the rest of your life and only God knows where that's going. So just let Him take the lead. Jesus said it really well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has got its own crap to deal with. Just worry about today. That, I read the Greek, that's what He said. <laughs> Father, You've made it really simple for us. You've just said, come follow me. No complications, no exams, no quizzes, no hoops to jump through or hurdles to jump over. It's just, come and follow me. Just go where I lead and trust me every step of the way. And that's it. And so as we come behind you, and just follow your lead. Take us to where you want us to go. Lead us into the calling that you have given to us from before we were born. But also bring into our lives the people that we need to inspire us, the people who are further down the track, the people who, have, who are just following along that same path, who will inspire us, who will encourage us, who will motivate us to keep going. And even when we don't understand it or if we don't even understand it right now, today, with whatever's going on. You probably won't give us the answer of where it's all headed. All you'll do is just say, hey, look, trust me. Just trust me. And so if that's all we need to hear today is those words, just trust me. Spirit of God, just speak those words into those hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your lead and your guidance. And we thank you for your ever powerful presence within us. And your comfort that you bring. So we just right now step into that space where you are and say, lead the way. Father, again, we just give our lives to you. Say, so have your way.